The kingdom of heaven is like a country full of roads that lead to amazing wonders. Come along for the ride as we explore all that God has for us. My name is Kevin, and this is a Trucker's Guide to the Kingdom. Hey everybody, thanks for joining me for episode four. Before we start, I just want to say that while the things that I'm talking and sharing about, I totally believe in, and I, 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 I believe that God is doing something new in this generation. I don't want it to be taken that I believe that this is a new theology, that we were totally wrong in what we understood, that, you know, we need to repent of everything that we've understood of God, and, and this is something new. I look at it more that God is showing and revealing to his children what he is doing. And he's showing us that maybe our viewpoint was just a little off, (laughs) you know, not, not that we had it wrong and we didn't understand the scriptures, but that depending upon where you stand, things can look very different. Just as going up the mountain, climbing the mountain of the Lord is for a process, I believe that it also gives us a new point of view. We start to see things through the eyes of Christ, and and that's what I feel is happening. And it's and it's not just me. I believe that God is doing this around the world. He is releasing um, new ideas of of what it means to be His, what it means to be His people and His body. So. Along that note, I want to talk about Moses taking the children of Israel out of Egypt and their journey through the wilderness into the promised land, because this has a very strong implication to what we have experienced for the last 2,000 years. You see, when God took the children of Israel out of Egypt, it was by his mighty hand that it was the miracles of God, the plagues that forced Egypt to release the children of Israel. And it was the journey through the Red Sea, which was by God's mighty hand that they came out of Egypt. And that is a parallel to to salvation. The book of Hebrews talks about it, where It was God and his own hand brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. And in the same way, when Christ came, it was by his mighty work that he delivered us from the hands of our enemies. But their journey wasn't just from Egypt into the promises of God and everything was was great. See, they had to go through the wilderness and where it was really only a uh, two-week process for them to go through it. It took them 40 years to finally get into the promised land. So I want to take a few points of their journey, and I want to show parallel between what we experience and what they experience, because I believe you could say that we have experienced a wilderness 
experience of God for the last 2,000 years. And it doesn't mean that we haven't had God's presence. It doesn't mean that we haven't had God's leading. They had that in the, in the wilderness. They had a cloud by day and a fire by night to show them when to move. They had the Ark of the Covenant, which held the very presence of God. And they had Mount Ararat, where God himself came down and gave them commandments. So it isn't about God and him not being with us. And it's not about our hearts. It's not about how much we love God or if we don't or not, but it it has to do with where we stand and what part of the process we are in, in coming to God. See, as I've talked before, we sometimes view salvation as an on-off switch that we're either saved or we're not. We don't always see the process that God has us in. You see, the children of Israel were in a process in the wilderness. When they left Egypt, they left as slaves. And they brought not only things of Egypt with them, of gold and and things that they were given, but they brought their slave mentality with them. When things got tough and when things got hard, they viewed their life in comparison to where they came from boy, you know, when we were in Egypt, we had all the food that we could want. And, you know, that was their main complaint. Whenever they they lacked anything, that's what they had to uh, um, go back to for their understanding. And even when they came to the edge of the promised land, the promises of everything that God had, that slavery mentality had them viewing themselves as weak, small in the eyes of, of the ones that they were coming into. They said that in the eyes of the in the eyes of the giants or the people in this land, we were like grasshoppers in their eyes. And they viewed themselves through others and they did not view themselves through what God said. They did not heed God's promises. They heeded what others around them thought or what they thought others around them thought. <laughs> And there was this mentality that they were better off living in the wilderness than going into the promised land. And even before that, they wanted to go back to Egypt rather than live in the wilderness. See, there's always a resistance of movement towards the things of God because it's just, it's scary. (laughs) You know, it doesn't match up with what our thinking is. And before they could enter into the promise of God, that whole generation had to pass away. That is the fact that none of the mentality of slavery could enter into the promises of God. None of the comparison between what they experienced before could enter into what it was. They couldn't see themselves in the promised land until that generation had gone and passed. And that is the process we talked about in the last episode of the Hill of the Lord, where you can't even see the Hill of the Lord without fearing the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? And so the same way, You can't see yourself entering the promised land while you still fear man. While your fear is greater for man of what you've known in the past and what you're coming up against, 
you can't see yourself entering into those promises. You have to come to the process of trusting God. And that is what the wilderness experience is. It is that in-between place of coming through the Red Sea and coming into salvation, but not yet living in the fullness of promise that God has for us. And in there, like I said, it has nothing to do with our hearts. Our hearts could love God with everything that we are. You know, it's not that we don't want to follow him. It's not all of, it's, it's not that. It is that we see others as strong around us in our past and in our, in our way. And we don't really understand how big and strong our God is, that his promises are what we stand on. And so we fear man more than we fear God. That was the children of Israel's sin in this. They, that is why they spent 40 years in the wilderness. There's only one um, main point that I want to bring into this discussion, and there, there, there's lots of them, but there's only one main one that I want to bring. A few years ago, God spoke to me while I was driving, and it was I was just minding my own business. I, I think I was listening to something on the radio or, or some music, and God just spoke clearly to me. It wasn't, it wasn't an audible voice. It was just in my spirit. But he said, where you've walked with the light of a lamp, you will walk as in daylight. And I stopped for a second in my thoughts, and I was like, okay, <laughs> that sounds interesting. That's, that's very neat. Um, but I didn't really understand it. And time went by and, and God started to reveal. And one of the ways that he revealed that to me of what the explanation of that is, was the journey of the children of Israel through the wilderness into the promised land. And this is what it came um, to me as, is that in the wilderness, they had manna to eat. God gave them manna. Jesus said that he was the manna that came down from heaven. But in the wilderness, see, the children of Israel, they actually ate the body of Christ. That's, that's the essence of what it was, that he said, I was that manna. And symbolically, they ate the body of Christ. But... What was the manna for? The manna was for not for, you know, partying and for um, making a huge amount of food. It was only for their survival. They were only allowed to take one day's worth at a time, and they were only allowed to um, make enough for their own family. They would make a, a, a cake out of it or whatever it was, and they would eat it for that day. And they had to trust God that tomorrow that manna would be there, that that was what it was for. It was for their survival. It was for their daily sustenance. You see, that is the essence in the Old Testament where he says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a guide unto my path. That in this understanding of God and our relationship to him, Jesus is referred to as the light of the world that it is him who lights our path, that it is him who guides our way. But in the same way that the children of Israel could only have manna for a day, that is the light 
that we have had of Jesus Christ. It's like what Paul says. We see in part. It's like we see through a glass darkly and we can sense the spirit of God and we sense what God is doing, but the fullness of it escapes us. And that has been our understanding. That has been our understanding of how God leads us. It's it's by trust that we walk daily with him and we um, just trust that God guides our footsteps in our path. And that is fine. That is the way that God ordained it to be for a season of time. But going back to the children of Israel, when they finally did come out of the wilderness and go into the promised land, the manna stopped. It was for the season of wilderness. And what did they come into? They came into a land flowing with milk and honey, that the fullness of the land was not just for their survival. It was for their feasting. It was, it was for them to build vineyards and, and have crops and to provide not only for themselves, but for everybody. And there was an abundance. And I think that is the word that, that sums it up is that there was an abundance of, of life. There was an abundance of, of food for them when they come into the promises of God. See, what God had told me that we are coming from a place of walking with the light of a lamp into walking as if in daylight, is that the abundance of Christ? It is all about Christ and how much relationship and how close of relationship we will have with him. So what I want to do is ask a few questions and of myself <laughs> and of all of us. And I want us to be honest about what it is that we experience of God. Because the Bible says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. And these things are without measure. What that means is that you cannot measure them. More than once, Jesus used the example of water flowing from us. And um, what is it? John 7, 37, he, he was at a feast and a festival. And it says that Jesus, in verse 30, 37, it says, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. See, the kingdom of God is not something measurable. When it talks about joy, it says joy unspeakable and full of glory. Joy that you have no words for. You can't speak <laughs> how much joy you have in the kingdom of God. It also says that peace passes understanding in the kingdom of God, that when you are experiencing the peace of Christ, it is not something that you can mentally capture and to measure and to understand what is happening. And what about love? Well, Ephesians 3 says to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. 
what I'm getting at is that when we experience God in his fullness, it is something that basically shuts off your human mind. It is something that you have no words to speak how wonderful God is, that you have nothing to measure it by. But what is it that we do experience? Because to be honest, and I'm going to speak for myself here, and you you say whether you agree with me or not, I measure my joy and my love and even my righteousness against what I know from the lack of it, meaning that I either have peace in my life or I have strife. I either have joy in my life or depression and and just blah or whatever you want to call it. I have righteousness or I feel like I am not worthy. And what that is doing, it's like the children of Israel in the wilderness where they're where they're describing their experiences and they're comparing it to what they had in Egypt. And we compare to understand what we experience. And as we can measure it, that gives us something to measure against. And while yes, it is better to have a bit of joy than to not experience joy at all. And to experience a bit of, um, uh, love and 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 have that there are times where that we do get flooded with the things of god that we experience things of god but really that is us almost being a spy in the land <laughs> you know the children of israel they sent spies into the land and they brought back the the good things of the land the honey and the the clusters of grapes that were huge and and different things and they experienced those things of their promises but where they lived was the wilderness and that's how I've lived in my life and even to this point I remember 2 years ago I was speaking with someone and I and I I had just been on the cusp of experiencing some of these things of God and I said I feel like God is going to be having me be a spy in the land to spy out the things that we are going to experience in God. And I've had wonderful experiences while driving. I've I've had the presence of God with me and but that is still can be wilderness understanding and wilderness experience. It's the fact that even Moses and Joshua, they could go into the temple, they could go and be in the presence of God, but still be in the wilderness, still be in between Egypt and the promises of God, this place. And if there's one concept that summarizes where we are, it is if we had the fullness of God. Why is it that we are still saying, God, come. God, come to us. God, we want you to come near. When we go into services, we say, Holy Spirit, come and be with us. Well, is is God with us? Yes. Is he constantly around us? And is he um, abiding with us? Is the Father always present with us? Yes, he is. But our perception is that there is still distance between us and God. See, we understand that when we go to heaven, that there will be a fullness of relationship. That is what we have been taught, that the fullness of relationship is when we come into heaven, 
that is the promised land. That is the fullness of understanding of God, that there is nothing between us and him, that that all understanding will be understood, that that everything that God has promised to us of, of closeness will only be found in death. And if that is your truth and you believe that, that is totally fine. And that is when you will come out of wilderness experience. <laughs> but if we look what Jesus said in John 11, he was talking to the sisters of Lazarus. Lazarus had just died and Jesus was on his way. And Lazarus' sister, Martha, yeah, it was Martha, <laughs> came out to him. And she said to him, and this is John 11, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? <laughs> See, what Jesus was saying was that it isn't the resurrection as a time and a day that is what we believe in, that will bring us into fullness of life. It is that Jesus is the fullness of life. Jesus is the resurrection. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. You see, the first thing that we have to understand before we can enter into the fullness of God is to be honest with ourselves and saying that I don't have the fullness of God. I do have God. I know that the Holy Spirit has been placed in my heart as confirmation and a seal upon me that I know that I am his. But <laughs> to be honest with ourselves, that all we have is manna, that all we have is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, and that all we have is a cup of water of God when behind us, there is an ocean of water for us to jump into and to engulf ourselves with. This is the beginning point of the conversation of where we are going. Because until we understand where we stand, we will have no idea where we even want to go. So I pray that you reflect on this, that you prayerfully consider it, and that you ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you and guide you into what is truth and what is not. Well, that's about it for today. I hope it gave you something to chew on. Have a great day, and thanks for coming along for the ride. <laughs>